85 years old when he departed from Haran. Uh, and he took his wife, Sarah. So this is chapter 12. Abraham was called out of a country and jot this down. Abraham left everything to follow God. He left everything to follow God. God calling Abraham out of a foreign land is a portrait of salvation. So he left everything to follow God. Check it out. Here's a picture of Abraham's travels. He started in the land of Ur, Ur, which is in southern Iraq. See that there? Southern Iraq, the land of Ur, Mesopotamia. This was also the region where the Tower of Babel had been built. And we're, we're back in Genesis here. So this, you know, the Tower of Babel was like one chapter before this. So um, we'll zoom in here a little bit to see where Abraham went. But he started in the land of Ur. Then he traveled up, you know, through where Iraq is, all the way up to the north, and then back down through Syria, Lebanon, and arrived in what is today Jerusalem. Now back then, was there a Jerusalem? No, there was no Israel. Abraham was going to be the George Washington of Israel, the founding father of a nation that didn't even exist yet. Uh, and so I, I did a little research to figure out how long Abraham traveled. He was a 75-year-old guy. And get this, God called him out of this land on a 1,200-mile trip. 12, 75 years old, 1,200-mile trip. And he went. He left. He followed it. And they had animals they had family members. He was a pretty wealthy guy. And he was 75 years old. God ruined his retirement. That's the bottom line here. All right? Like, to put this into perspective, I asked myself, what would it be like if God called us on a similar journey? So I went into Google Maps, and I tried to find a 1,200-plus or minus mile trip, and I found one. Check it out. Here's a picture of what it would take you uh, on this journey. This is, this is from Chicago if you walk... 1,270-ish miles west, you would end up in Yellowstone. And if you went by foot, uh, I, I got way too into this. I was like, I wonder how long it would take us. So I went on to like these hiking websites to figure out how far you can hike. Is it one or two or three miles a day? And if you like, if you like hiked eight hours a day, which Abraham didn't, because, I mean, let's face it, he had animals and he was 75 and whatnot. But if you hiked eight hours a day, you know, like five days a week, at, at a pretty decent uh, pace, it would take you like four months to get from here to Yellowstone by foot. And if you've ever gone camping and you know what it's like to set up a tent, all right, you know that the chances of you hiking eight hours a day and setting up camp every day and then, you know, it aren't great. So this, this is at least a year's journey if you really think about it. Um, and what you have here is God calling a guy on an amazing journey. If you wanted to follow in Abraham's footsteps, here's what I would tell you. About 10 years after your retirement, tell everybody that you are buying a zoo and a bunch of tents, and you're taking your whole family to Yellowstone by foot. And then walk there with no modern provisions, setting up your, you know, with your zoo. You've got all these animals to feed, all right? On the way, and when you get there in like a year, live there for 25 years in your tents, uh, and in about 20 years, have a baby. How about that? Any takers? This is what God called Abraham to do. 75, leave your country, leave your people, take your zoo with you, get to this place, camp there, and in 20 years, I'm going to give you a baby. 25 years, I'm going to give you a baby. Wow. That is quite a call. He would for sure today get his own reality show. Am I right? For sure. 
guy on his way to Yellowstone bought a zoo. Now, we're supposed to, in the grand scheme of Scripture, understand that this call out of a foreign land to leave your land, leave your country, leave your gods, follow me to a country I will, I will show you, that's a portrait of getting saved. Following God out of the earthly kingdom and into the kingdom he's establishing. That's, that's what it looks like to get saved. Getting saved is a relocation project. And Abraham left everything to follow God. It, it portrays salvation and it also portrays election. You don't, you don't just get a map out and find your way to heaven. God has to call you in the way you should go. It portrays election. God has to call you to himself. Out of the kingdom of darkness into light. Out of a foreign land. Away from false gods to relocate as residents of God's heavenly kingdom. In Hebrews 11, 8 to 10, it says this. Reporting on Abraham's story. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. There's another thing that's highlighted here. He gets there, and God's like, I'm going to give you a city. I'm going to make you a great nation. And he gets there, and he looks around, and he's like, crickets, crickets. Not only is there nothing here, but there's also other people living here. It'd be like God saying, I'm going to give you an amazing house. Come here, I'll show it to you. And then he shows it to you, and there's other people living there. And you're like, can I live there yet? Nope, you need to set up a tent down, you know, down the road. But it's going to be yours, and it's going to be amazing. Oh, okay. Waiting for a promised kingdom is also a portrait of you waiting to arrive in the heavenly kingdom. It's not here yet. So Abraham left everything to follow God. We're also supposed to realize that this is set against the narrative, um, which was found just, just a chapter before. I mean, we're like way back in biblical history. Chapter 11 is the Tower of Babel. Chapter 12 is Abraham. You know the story of the Tower of Babel? Man tried to make its own way to heaven. We're going to build a tower. We're going to build a city. It's going to be amazing. We're all going to unite together, and we're going to make a name for ourselves. Abraham lived in that region. God came down, confused all the languages of people, said, nope, that is not your works your building, your city, not the way you're getting to me. So God canceled that program and called Abraham away from the works plan and onto the faith plan. You see how this portrays you can't work your way to heaven. Abraham, leave that. Leave that. Leave that and follow me. And if you follow my promise, you'll arrive safely in my heavenly kingdom. This all shows salvation. Jot this down. Abraham also believed God's plan to bless the world. It says in verse 3, The promise was, I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the hope of the world. The hope of the world is somehow through Abraham there would be a blessing for the whole world. That blessing would be one of his offspring, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Through Abraham would come Israel. Through Israel would come Jesus. God is planning a blessing for the world. And Abraham believed God's plan to bless the world. In chapter 13, verses 16 to 17, it's, he's, he, God shows up to Abraham again and says this, I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. God keeps showing up and telling Abraham, it's going to be amazing. You're going to have it. Nations are going to come from you. You're going to have so many kids, it's going to be like the dust. Here's the thing. How many kids did Abraham have at this point in his life? None. None. 
75-year-old guy, marched 1,200 miles west, set up camp, because you're going to have more grandbabies than the earth has dust. He not only did it, he did it with no kids. And there's no story in the Bible yet of, of babies coming that late in life. Sarah was the first mention of a woman being barren in the Bible. The first recorded case. We don't know if she is the first person ever to be barren who can't have a baby, but first mention. And now 75 years old, God's like, Abraham, you're going to be a daddy. March 1,200 miles west. And then God makes him wait 25 years. Wow. What? Do you see how this is a man of faith? He believed God. He believed God's plan to bless the world. He didn't even talk back to God, really. God promised that Abraham would be famous for his kids. It'd be nice to be famous for something, right? What is Abraham famous for? <laughs> well, not only did several nations come from him, Israel and others, but three major monotheistic world religions all came from him. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam came from Christianity. So the three major world religions comprising most of the global population came from Abraham's descendants. That's pretty impressive. Abraham believed God's plan to bless the world, and that plan would come through an offspring, and he didn't even have one. But he believed he would become a dad miraculously. He believed it. He believed God's plan to bless the world. We're supposed to notice he believed an unbelievable promise. And that's what he was following. Next, jot this down. Abraham believed in a miracle child who would fulfill the promise. Now check out chapter 15, verse 1. He believed in a miracle child who would fulfill the promise. So years have passed here. And in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram again in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Finally, Abraham said it. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. God, I don't... Sometimes do you state the obvious to God, thinking maybe he didn't notice that? That God, my kids are out of control! God, our finances, are we kidding? Sometimes you tell God the obvious, thinking that maybe he missed it. Abraham's, God, I have no kids, not a one. So this, this guy from Damascus is it, it, in my will of being the one who's going to get it all. Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. This is a cool thing. Brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. This is, this is man. And you have here what's called a vision where, where the Bible says God is speaking to Abram. It's also called the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Best, best interpretation of who this is is the Lord Jesus, a pre-incarnate version of the Lord Jesus. But here you have Abram outside with God looking up at the stars, talking about the future. How amazing is this? I love the night sky. I love stars. I found a few pictures from last year. Hubble just keeps delivering these amazing pictures. Here's a picture from a star cluster that Hubble sent back in, I think it was October. You know what Hubble does, right? Hubble looks into like a, the, the tiniest dot in space for like three days or, or longer. And, and just keeps the camera lens open, tiniest sliver of space, and then reports back what it finds. So this represents such a fraction, just a pixel of the night sky. And look at all those stars. And, and there they are, Abraham and God outside looking up, and God says, look up. 
See all those stars? See them? You're going to have that many offspring. Now here's the next picture. Hubble also reports back on not just bunches of stars, but these are, these are clusters of galaxies. These are galaxies. We know a whole lot more about what's up there in the night sky than they knew back then. These, each of these galaxies represents billions of stars, and there are billions of galaxies. And God has Abraham look up and says, you will have that many offspring. This is a childless man in his, approaching his 80s. Put yourself in Abram's place. Can you imagine what it's like to wait 80 years and to not have a child, and then to have God keep showing up saying it's going to happen? It's gonna, not only is it going to happen, but you're going to have that many. Can you imagine the crisis of faith, the wound, the pain, the wondering? It says here in verse 5, he brought him outside, said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now here's the key verse, verse 6. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord. The narrator, the author, says he believed the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him as righteousness. This is what Paul is drawing from in the book of Romans, this very moment. God and Abraham outside looking up like this. So everybody just look up for a second like this, look up. And imagine you're seeing all, this, all the stars, and what, and what Abraham did to become righteous is this. Ready? Check. What did he do? He believed. God said something unbelievable. And Abraham went, check. And he was made righteous. He was saved. How did people get saved in the Old Testament? Not by the Ten Commandments. Moses wouldn't be coming along for hundreds of years. How did people get saved? Not circumcision. That didn't happen yet. How did people get saved in the Old Testament? They listened to what God said. They looked up and said, check. We're saved by faith. It's been that way in the Old Testament, and it's that way in the New. Abraham left everything to follow God. He believed God's plan to bless the world, and Abraham believed a miracle child would fulfill the promise. In Hebrews 11, it says this, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. She was 10 years younger than him. So she'd be 90 when she had a baby. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Wow. So number one, Abraham acted like God was telling the truth. Now number two, jot this down. Abraham was justified by grace through faith. He was made righteous by grace through faith. It says here that uh, it says here that it was counted to him as righteousness. So that's an accounting term, an accounting term. It, it was measured to him. It was counted to him. It was credited to him as righteousness, which means God didn't look into Abraham's heart and find righteousness. He found faith. And then by grace, God gave Abraham righteous status. So I don't know. Do you do your own taxes or do you have an accountant who comes and does that? It's, it's coming, right? It's coming. <laughs> But you're already thinking about what those numbers are going to be. And when your account, I have an accountant, and when he, when he gets done with all of his math, right, what am I listening for? I'm listening for what's my account going to look like when this is all said and done. Last year, Lauren and I sold a house that we owned in the western suburbs. It had turned into a rental property because we couldn't sell it. I, I have no idea what our taxes are going to look like this year when he's all done with it. 
I'm just going to sit there listening to him doing his crazy math, and I'm going to be like, what's the damage? <laughs> How is it looking? Right? What do I owe? And the math in the Bible says this, you owe a debt you can never repay. Bigger than the national debt. That should make you gasp. Bigger than the national debt. You, you can never repay it. But it says here that God will credit to your account righteousness. And that doesn't just, this is amazing, that doesn't just mean that it brings you from bankruptcy spiritually to an even balance. It means that he gives you perfect status. The Bible says that we are rich in heaven spiritually. This, this is what's so amazing. It means when God looks at your track record, he doesn't just see you as if you've never sinned. He sees you as if you've always lived the perfect life if your faith is in the Lord Jesus because you have Christ's righteousness credited to your account. The financial equivalent is as if you were loaded, all right? But spiritual riches are worth much more. It's as if you were loaded, as if you won the, the lottery. That's what happened to you spiritually when God credited to you righteousness. He treats you as if you are perfectly righteous. Now, is that true? No, absolutely not. And that's why it's not based on your works. It's based on your faith. Abraham was justified by grace through faith. Listen, Paul's trying to show that Abraham was not a good guy. This is the guy who lied. This is the guy who allowed his wife to get taken into a foreign harem because he said, just tell him you're my sister. Just tell him you're my sister. And then he, she gets taken as another man's wife and he's just like, uh-oh. And then God's got to jump in and save the day. This was not a good guy. He was not saved by his works. He was saved by his faith. He got a concubine pregnant, started having kids with a woman who wasn't his wife. So jot this down. It's not by good deeds. Abraham was not saved by good deeds. Abraham was justified by grace through faith. I don't know what your plan is to get to heaven, but if I were to ask you, you know, when you stand at the, the gates of heaven... And they say, give your speech. Why should you get in here? If the words that came out of your mouth were, I'm a good person, I'm a pretty good person, I want to correct that understanding by using the Bible today. Good people don't go to heaven. Okay? Good people don't go to heaven. Abraham made a fool of himself. And he's in heaven. Not because he was a good person, but because he was a man who trusted the promise from above. Sometimes the Bible says really, really shocking things to jar us out of our false belief. And if you're a person who thinks, well, I'm a good person, so I'm going to heaven, I'm going to share a verse with you that will forever correct you of having that notion. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean. And listen, all our righteous deeds, imagine them all in a bucket, your best days. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. A few images here, but let me just focus in on the most graphic one. When God looks down, if you were to put all of your righteous deeds in a bucket, I mean the best things you've ever done, what does God see? It says here he sees a polluted garment. Now, the Bible sometimes softens the translation up for listening ears. And if you look into the Hebrew of what that actually says, it literally means uh, like a menstrual cloth. 
All our righteous deeds are like a menstrual cloth. I don't have to work harder than the Bible has already worked to completely gross you out. Okay. When the Bible says something like that, your reaction is supposed to be like, oh, oh, oh. And if all of your good deeds were thrown into a bucket and you held them up to God, well, the Bible tells you what he sees. In other words, your good works will not save you. They're disgusting in heaven. Your best works fall short. So please don't tell anyone that you're a pretty good person. Um, good people don't go to heaven. Abraham was justified by grace through faith, not by good deeds. Jot this down next, not by religious effort. Not by religious effort. Abraham wasn't a religious ceremonial guy. There was no temple. He couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. He didn't even have them. There were no, he, could, he built an altar, like out of rocks. That's about as ceremonial as he can get. So there's no way to prove that Abraham was like this really religious guy who went to temple every year. He didn't have that, and he didn't need it. Sometimes people, if you say, well, why are you going to go to heaven? They'll say, well, I'm a religious person. But religious people don't go to heaven. Sometimes people say, well, everyone needs a little religion. Right? Almost like a recipe. Like, you need a little religion in your life. Just live your life, but add a dash of religion. You know, it sounds like they're saying a pinch of paprika. It's like the paprika plan. I'll just throw a little religion in my life. For many people, this is the way they live. They just live however they want, and they throw a little paprika on the top, a little religion on the top, a little church on the top, a little dash. And they think that that's all it will take. But religious people don't go to heaven. Some people are very religious. For example, in the Muslim faith, I mean, in the Muslim faith, they put us to shame. They pray five times a day. Dawn, noon, afternoon, sunset, night, pray five times a day, five times a day, five times a day. Do you pray five times a day? They're very religious. What does the Bible say about people who are very religious? Well, it says in Isaiah 1.15, when you spread out your hands, God says, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen to you. Your hands are full of blood. What is God's response to a religious person who doesn't believe the promises? God goes like this. God goes like this. This is, this is what God does to the religious person. I will not see you. He plugs his ears. I don't see you. I don't hear you. If you're trying by religion to earn God's favor, he's, he's deaf and blind to your efforts. He wants you to know that religion is a dead end. Do you know that Christianity is not a religion? Christianity is a relationship. Christianity is about how Jesus Christ stepped down into this world so that you can know him personally. Do you know the last thing people hear before they walk, uh, before they depart to hell forever? Do you know the last thing people hear, the Bible says, before they leave off forever? The last thing they hear is Jesus saying, I never knew you. I never knew you. Not, you weren't good enough. Not, if only you had come to church one more time. No, I never knew you. It's a relational thing. Abraham shows us what it means not to be saved by good deeds, not to be saved by religious effort, Jot this down. It's not by charitable actions. It's not by charitable actions. Sometimes people say, well, you know what? I help people. I help people in need. Why, why would you get to heaven? I help people. I'm charitable. I've given money. I've, I've given time. I, I help people. Uh, my daughter Cassie has a really good heart. We were at a, a hotel getaway with our family a couple weeks ago, and we were watching TV. Um, and as we were watching TV, a commercial came on. You, have you seen those commercials where they want you to help rescue animals? 
and they show all these animals out shivering in the cold, and they play this really sappy music, and then, and it's like, it goes on, and on, and on, and all these animals are being rescued, and then it shows them with a new owner, and at the end of this commercial, and my daughter loves animals, at the end of this commercial, you know, they put up how you can support them, and Cassie turns to me, and she goes, Dad, we need to call and give them all of our money right now. <laughs> and there's a goodness to that, right? There's a goodness to that heart. We should be helping people and animals who are freezing to death outside. Here's the thing. God wants us to do that. That won't save us. That won't save us. Because being a charitable person does not save us or solve our sin problem. Remember that guy in the beginning of the sermon trying to bucket the water? Out? Being charitable does not take the sin out of our lives. So it's not by charitable actions. So we learn from Abraham that he acted like God was telling the truth. He left everything to follow God. He believed God's plan to bless the world. He believed a miracle child would fulfill the promises. Number two, Abraham was justified by grace through faith, not by good deeds, not by religious effort, not by charitable actions. He walked out under the night sky next to his God who made him, looked up, and believed what he heard from heaven. Listen, this is how you get into heaven. It's the only way. You believe what you heard from God. Well, what is it that I must believe? Well, this is where we head back to the book of Romans. So you can look back to Romans chapter 4. Romans chap chapter 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. Meaning, if, if you've worked a long week, you know, most of us here worked a long week, 40, 50, 60 hours, and you don't go to your boss and say, hey, can you do me a favor and give me some money? You say, I earned this. I will be paid, right? Or there will be consequences legally for you. This is not the way that we get righteousness from God. It's not a merited thing. You don't, you don't earn it. The definition of grace is God's unearned favor. You'll never deserve it. Verse 5, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Now there's a quick cameo here by David, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one of whom God counts righteousness apart from the works. So now here, Paul's quoting Psalm 32, 1-2, where he says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And we're not going into David much here, but David, what were some of David's sins? Just shout them out. Murder, adultery, deception, womanizing, right? Mur murderer, he's in heaven right now. He knows why. He knows why. Not, and he was a man after God's own heart. And, and he killed a guy and stole his wife. Okay, David didn't work his way into heaven. All right, you, you, his, his polling data was really low at times. You wouldn't enjoy being a subject of his a few years there. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Wow. This is the truth of Scripture. So number three, jot this down. Like Abraham, we can only be saved by faith. God's plan has always been faith. Not works, faith. I heard somebody say this once, and it was great. They said, Jesus didn't come into the world to make bad people good. Jesus came into the world to make dead people live. You have to admit your true spiritual condition, or you won't know what Jesus did for you. We can only be saved, and we need to be saved, 
by faith. In Galatians 3, 8 to 9, look what it says. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations will be blessed. So then those who are of the faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What this means is pretty cool. It means when Abraham was looking up at the stars and God said, your descendants are going to be as many as the stars, God wasn't just talking about his physical descendants. God was talking about the people who would share in Abraham's faith and become his spiritual offspring. That's you and me. That many people are going to get saved through faith. That's astonishing. God showed Abraham a wonderful future filled with a whole nation, nations of people coming from him, and spiritually, people getting saved in the same way Abraham was getting saved, believing what he heard from heaven. Are you one of Abraham's descendants? Are you following the footsteps of his faith? Key question, who will God save? Answer, those who believe the truth about Jesus, Abraham's offspring. Jot this down. We must leave everything to follow Christ. Just as Abraham left everything to follow God, so we must leave everything to follow Christ. I know that you and I hold up missionaries. You know, I, I respect people who I know, like the Crosland family, who left everything to go to Papua New Guinea, right, to serve the Lord. And they sold it all and left. I, lo I love the Kiowskis in our church who, you know, he sold his business and moved to Romania. You know, those people are like my heroes. And I think to myself, man, it would be really cool to be like them. And if you want to be a Christian, you have to be like them. You have to be like them. Oh, you might not leave everything to a different geographical place to follow Christ, but you do need to walk away from everything in this life to be saved. Luke 14, Jesus said, So therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all he has, he cannot be my disciple. Meaning at the moment of your salvation, you have to leave everything behind. Now, you spend a lifetime showing Jesus that actually happened. But in the moment, you need to walk away from your love life with sin. Walk away from all earthly relational attachments. You need to let it all go. That's a portrait of repentance. I'm leaving Ur. I'm leaving the city of my, you know, that I've known my whole life. I'm leaving this earthly kingdom, and I'm walking with Christ wherever he leads me. That's what it means to get saved. Have you been saved? Have you left everything to follow Jesus? Or are you clinging with all of your strength, holding on to your life in this world? And God isn't going to touch your family, and he isn't going to touch your leisure, and he isn't going to touch your money, and he isn't going to touch your sin. Have you left it all, or are you still in bondage? We must leave everything to follow Christ. Abraham shows us that. Jot this down. We must believe Christ is God's plan to bless the world. What did Abraham actually believe? He believed that through an impossible baby who would be born, God would bless all the nations. That child would ultimately be the Lord Jesus. There's several times in the Bible where God brings miracle babies into the world. Right? Abraham and Sarah's child Isaac was one of them. But that foreshadowed the ultimate miracle baby who would come, and that would be the Lord Jesus. Just as Abraham believed that this impossible child would come, so Jesus, virgin-born, would be an impossible child who would enter into the world. We have to believe that Christ is God's plan to bless the world. This is a universal message, which is why our Christmas theme was the joy of all the earth. God has a plan, and the plan is named Jesus. Is Jesus your plan to get into heaven? Leave everything to follow Jesus. Believe Christ is God's plan to bless the world. And finally, jot this down. 
Believe this miracle child died to save us all. Believe this miracle child died to save us all. We have faith in the gospel, which is why our theme verse is in Romans 1.16 is, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we believe, and it's by faith in the gospel that we are saved. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ stepped down into this world, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, took all of your sins on him. Because he died as your substitute, he paid your penalty. Then he was thrown into a grave. But on the third day, he was raised to life. And then in the, in the presence of many witnesses, he was exalted to the right hand of God Most High, where he lives now and he rules heaven forever. Therefore, if you put your faith in him, only he can take away your sins. If you put your faith in him, only he can keep the promise to bring you into eternity. If you put your faith in him, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be made white as snow. This is the gospel. This is the gospel, and it's the greatest news you've ever heard. Hey, will you go to heaven? Will you go to heaven? Sometimes at funerals, people say, she's in a better place. Listen, Death doesn't take us to a better place. Jesus takes us to a better place. If he died in our place. Do you believe Jesus died in your place? If so, then when you die, you get to be with God forever. Will you be ready when your name is called and your life is judged and your fate is sealed? Why would you wait another day? Why wouldn't you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Faith is amazingly simple. You don't have to work your whole life to maybe come before God and find out if he likes you. Faith is so simple a child can do it. You simply stop trying to work your way into God's favor and you give that up forever. And you believe what you heard from heaven. Christ Jesus came to set me free. It's that simple. It's that free. And you need it today. Hey, this is great news. Abraham acted like God was telling the truth. Abraham was justified by grace through faith. And like Abraham, we can be saved through faith. I want to give you a chance right now to do what Abraham did so long ago. We're not outside. We're not looking up at the stars together. But you are hearing from heaven. What I just shared with you is from heaven. And God's looking into your heart, just like he was looking into Abraham's heart. Will it be said, she believed. She believed. This is your chance to respond by faith. Let's all close our eyes and let's bow our heads and let's talk to God about what we just heard. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are some here today and they don't know where they stand with you. Maybe they thought they were going to heaven as they walked into church this morning, but they realize now that they had an unbiblical reason for believing that. And now they're learning that it's only by faith that they can be saved and that it's not earned. They don't work for it. Well, Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of some today who have been trying, wearing themselves out, trying to make you happy, working, being religious or charitable, trying to impress you. And some who maybe thought they were going to heaven, but now they know that it's not by works. Father, I pray that you would save some here today who finally stop their self-improvement plan. Stop their do-it-yourself plan and they finally say, Jesus, you're my only way. They finally say, I believe the truth about Jesus. He's my plan. Lord, as people in their own hearts are crying out to you by faith right now, 
do what you promised. Transfer them from the kingdom of darkness to light. Give them the hope that only you can provide. And remind them that, Jesus, you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. Transform them forever by faith and help them to know that they don't have to live ashamed another day. We pray, Lord, that you would ready us for the great and awesome day when the heavens will, will roar away like a scroll. The earth will disappear. We will stand before you alone and our entire lives will be laid bare and our works will condemn us. Oh, Lord, thank you for the promise that if our name is in the Lamb's book of life, you will receive us as children for eternity. This is our hope. This is our faith. Strengthen us by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the
that's your conviction. We have leaders down front to pray for you and to pray for your loved ones, so don't miss this chance to bring your burdens before the Lord. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Also, there will be refreshments in the gym. Stick around and join us for that. And as you go, know you are loved. God bless.